In his book, Go the Distance, Ed Roll emphasized the importance of finishing well by telling the story of how Robbie Gordon finished the 83rd running of the Indianapolis 500. With just one lap to go, Robbie Gordon knew that he didn't have enough gas to finish. And while the other lead drivers had taken a pit stop with a yellow caution flag went up, following a crash by Mark Dismore, Gordon gambled that he could finish the final 37 laps on one fuel of tank. On one tank of fuel. With just a lap to go, he had to pull in for a splash of methanol. The stop caused him to finish in fourth place. In a guest column in Speednet, Gordon shared rule number one in racing. You must finish, you must first finish before you finish first. Gordon learned the lesson the hard way. The fuel gauge in his car had been warning him for some time, but he chose to postpone the solution. The stakes in our lives are much higher. As soon as the warning light goes off in one critical area of life, the time is then to make adjustments or course corrections. Otherwise, a poor finish could be our legacy. We are talking about trying to finish the race that God has given us, to run with endurance and to make it to the end. Now, God wants us to finish the race and to finish well. God has done all sorts of things. To ensure that we are able to run the race with endurance that he has set before us. He has given us his Holy Spirit that will lead us, that will empower us, that will help us to run the race with endurance. He has given us grace to help us in our time of need. The sufficient grace that can see us through in these times. Philippians tells us that God has given us a desire. Right, the desire that we have to run the race with endurance, that is God-given. But when God gives us the desire to do it, He also gives us the ability to stay the course. God has given us all that we need to be able to finish the race that He has set before us. And He is calling to all of us and He is saying to stay in the race. But before any of that will actually do us any good, we have to determine that we are going to finish the race. That we are going to run the race that God has set before us no matter what. We're going to run us, we're going to run the race when it's easy. We're going to run the race when it's hard. We're going to run when there is no pain and we're going to run when there is pain. We are going to stay in the race. The message today is going to help us to do some things, to apply some things that will help us to stay in the race. Open your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. That's page 927 in your pew Bibles. When you find that, I'm going to ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word. The author writes, Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. For you have not yet resisted unto bloodshed, striving against sin. The title of the message this morning is Staying in the Race. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. And Lord, we need you today. 
to help us. God, we need you to give us strength and wisdom. We need you to give us ears to hear. We need you to give us hearts to receive what you have for us in this word. Father, we know that there is a race that is set before us. It is a race that is unique to us. And Lord, it is fraught with its own pains and perils and hardships and trials. But God, we are to run this race with endurance. We are not to give up. We are not to turn back. We are not to go for one side or the other, but just to run straight and do the things that you've called us to do. And Lord, we need you to strengthen us in this. We need you to encourage us in this. We need you, God, to to speak to us today and show us what we need to take from your word and apply to our lives that we can do all the things that you want done. Father, help us all to run with endurance the race that you have set before us. Help us to finish well so that at the end of our lives, we can all hear well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. We love you, God. Have your way in our hearts and our lives. Have your way in our church and our community. Fill me with your spirit and use me, Lord, to just encourage, to strengthen, to bring glory to your name. I ask in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, my Savior. Amen. You may be seated. Now, the author is getting to the practical application portion of the book. He has encouraged the people not to give up, not to stop, not to go back to what they were before. He has told them that... Everybody that has ever lived was a person of faith that had to run the race that was set before them. He doesn't want them to give up on the Christian race. He wants them to keep on living for Jesus and and finish the race that God has set before them. He says in verse one that he wants them to to run with endurance the race that is set before them. Now, the, the, the key is that he. He knows that there is a temptation to quit. He knows that that they are facing a temptation to quit. But he wants them to choose to push through the pain. He wants them to choose to run the race regardless of the discouragement, regardless of the hardships. You know, we have all begun a race But it's not enough to begin the race. We have to finish the race. To finish the race, we have to stay in the race. We have to continually run the race that God has set before us. We have to run it with endurance. And to run with endurance, it does mean that we have to push through when it's difficult and we have to keep going when it's hard. And there are always going to be temptations to quit. There are always going to be temptations to stop and to turn aside. But what we have to do is we have to determine to go anyway. We have to understand and have a determination to continue that's greater than the temptation to stop. Right? And so the, the main idea for today is that my determination to finish must overcome the temptation to quit. Right? My determination to finish, it must overcome the temptation to quit. The temptation to quit the race that God has set before you, it, it's going to come at various times. So we have to determine, we have to have a determination greater than the temptation. We are going to finish the race. And there are three actions we have to take if we want to have this kind of a determination. The first is we have to eliminate unnecessary baggage. Right? Eliminate unnecessary baggage. Now, I, I, I am not a runner. I don't like running. I never have and I never will. If you ever see, I've often joked, if you ever see me running... You ought to run, too, because there's something chasing me, right? I I do not run. But I do know that when you run, you want to have as light a load as possible. You don't want to carry around a bunch of unnecessary stuff 
when you're having to run a race. You want to eliminate everything that is unnecessary. Well, to run the race that God has sent before us, it requires us to lighten our loads. It requires us to eliminate things that are unnecessary. And that's what the author of Hebrews, he starts off with. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all the people in chapter 11 that ran their race and ran by faith, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. But that's the baggage that we have to let go of. Now, he, he breaks it down into two categories. There are weights and there are sins. Now, sins we'll get to, but that's the easy part, really. Weights are the hard part. Right? A weight in this context, it is something that hinders us from running the race that God has set before us. It is something that, that slows us down as we seek to follow Jesus, as we seek to do His will. Now, what makes weights so difficult is that weights are not necessarily sin. Right? Something that slows me down in my race for Jesus is not necessarily something that is inherently sinful. It can be a good thing that I am given too much place in my life. It can be a good thing that I'm giving too much weight in my life. It can be any number of things that is just causing me, because of this thing that is not sinful on its own, I am not running with endurance the race that Jesus has set before me. I am not following Him. I am not doing His will. I am not seeking after Him with all of the passion that I should. That makes it hard. It's also hard because what may be a weight for you, it may not be a weight for me. And what may be a weight for me may not be a weight for you. And so each of us, we have to search our own lives and we have to find out, am I running the race that God has set before me? Am I running it as as good as I can? Am I running it with all of my heart and all of my soul and all of my mind and all of my abilities? And if not, what is keeping me from doing that? What is it that is holding me back? What is slowing me down? And I can't say, I mean, I can't say the specific things in your life that may be weights that are holding you back. But I can give you some questions, things that we can think through and look at and see is, are these things present in my life or is something here hindering me? Right. So the first question, is there anything hindering my time with Jesus? If I am going to run the race with endurance that God has set before me, looking unto Jesus, then I have to be with Jesus. I have to be spending time with Jesus. I have to spend time with Jesus in the Word. I have to spend time with Jesus in prayer. And as unpopular as it is in our current culture, I have to spend time with Jesus with His people. So as we look at our lives, is there anything in our lives that is keeping us out of the Word? I mean, are we as faithful to reading our Bibles as we should be? Is there a desire to read the Bible? Am I spending time in the Word learning about Jesus and who He was and what He did? And if I'm not spending my time in the Word, what am I spending my time doing? What is keeping me out of the Word? That may well be a weight that needs to be laid aside. Am I praying? Am I spending quality time with Jesus in prayer? Right? Not, not the quick, bless this food for the nourishment of my body. Not the run into the car, Lord, bless me today and let me have a good day. But time. That time that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount where we go away in private with Him. 
Do I have a quality time of prayer with Jesus? And if not, why not? What is keeping me from having that time with Jesus? And, and whatever that is, that may well be a hindrance that is keeping me from running the race with endurance. Or church. Am I faithful to church? Do I regularly gather with the people of God to hear the Word of God, to learn about the Son of God? Do I? And if not, what is keeping me out of His house? What is keeping me out of the organization that Jesus died to establish? His body, His bride. What is keeping me from that? And whatever it is, it may well be a hindrance, a weight that is slowing you down in running your race God has set before you. Is there anything in your life that is hindering your time with Jesus? If so, that is probably a weight you need to lay aside. Secondly, is there anything hurting my testimony? Is there anything hurting my testimony? Jesus said in Matthew 5 that we are to be salt and light. Right? We are to be salt. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. This is who we're to be. Now, salt... Salt pictures our influence on an unbelieving world. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are meant to have a positive, a righteous influence on an unbelieving, immoral world. Do we? What kind of influence do I have on people around me? One of the things I've noticed in my Bible reading this year, in reading Paul Paul consistently says things like, follow me as I follow Jesus. Imitate me as I imitate Jesus. If someone imitates you, are they imitating Jesus? If someone follows you, are they following Jesus? I mean, what kind of influence do you have on your friends, on your co-workers, on your relatives? What kind of influence do you have on people that you're around on a regular basis? Does it make them more like Jesus or less like Jesus? Does it make them want Jesus or turn them away from Jesus? If there's something in our lives that is hindering our ability to have a righteous influence on unbelievers, that is almost certainly a weight that is hindering us from running with endurance the race that is set before us. But at the same time, light is our testimony before the unbelieving world. What is our testimony? What is your testimony? I'll tell you a story on me. One time I, not while I was here, so this was a long time ago. uh, I invited a guy to church. Here's what he said. You go to church? And I said, yeah, all the time. He said, wow, the way you talk. Never would have known it. Oh, man. You talk about something that was like stabbing a knife and twisting it in me. My testimony was not Jesus. It was not righteous. It was not good in any way. That was horrible. Do the people around you know that you go to church? Do they know that Jesus is important? And if they do, does that make them think Jesus is good? Or that Jesus is just, meh. What is your testimony among the people you're around, your friends, your relatives, your co-workers, the people who know you on a regular basis? Is there something you're saying 
Is there something you're doing, an activity you're taking a part in that hinders and dims your testimony before an unbelieving world? If there is, it's almost certainly a weight that is hindering you from run with endurance the race that God has set before you. Is there anything harming my family? Families matter to God. God created man. He saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And so he created woman to be with them. And they were to be together and united. And families matter. Marriages matter. Children matter. All of these things, they matter to God. Is there something that we're doing that's harming our family? You know, Jesus, he says things like that if you cause a little one who believes in him to stumble, it's better to take a millstone and toss it into the sea tied to you and just drown than it would be to cause them to stumble. I mean, just think about your family, your kids, your grandkids, your nephews and nieces, the people that are closest to you as a family. Does their following you lead them to follow Jesus? Does your example make them want Jesus? Are you drawing them closer to Jesus by who you are and how you are? If there is something in your life that is hurting your marriage, that is hurting your children, that is hindering your family, that is almost certainly a weight that is keeping you from running your race with endurance. Now, the thing about weights is what may do something like that for you may not do it for me. And what may do it for me may not do it for you. And this is where it gets difficult to lay aside the weights. It takes a great deal of spiritual maturity. It takes a great deal of a desire to live for Jesus to say, you know what? Scott maybe can do this and it doesn't hinder his testimony, but I feel like it does mine. So no matter how much I want to do it, I'm going to lay it aside. It's not sinful. But for me at this time, it hurts my testimony. It's hindering me from running with Jesus. It takes a great deal of desire to run with endurance to say, you know, Michael can do this. And it doesn't hinder his time with Jesus. But for me. This is keeping me from my time with Jesus. This is keeping me from staying with him and praying and reading my Bible and going to church. So I'm going to lay it aside, even though he gets to keep doing it. And I like it and I wish I could. But right now I can't. So we all have to do that if we want to run with endurance. We have to be willing to say this holds me back. This hinders me. And regardless of what it does for anyone else. I am going to lay it aside because running the race that Jesus has set before me is more important than this, whatever this might be in our lives. So the weights, they're different. Each of us individually have to see what's a weight in our lives. But the sin, well, the sin's all the same. The Bible calls it a sin. It's a sin and it's something that's going to hinder us and it's going to keep us from running the race that Jesus has set before us. Right? John writes, and he said, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. So here's the deal. I can't walk with Jesus and walk in sin at the same time. I can't run the race that God has set before me with endurance and live in sin at the same time. I mean, I just can't. 
John goes so far as to say that if I claim to have fellowship with God and yet I'm walking in the darkness of sin, I lie. And I do not practice the truth. Now, I wouldn't say that because you would tell me I was judgmental. But John says that. The Bible says that if I'm walking in something the Bible says not to do, and yet at the same time say, praise Jesus, I'm so close to Him. John says you're a liar. And you do not even remotely live or walk, practice the truth. There is sin, unconfessed sin in your life, sin you cherish in your heart, and you are not letting go of. You will not run the race that God has set before you with endurance. It will collapse you. It will break you. It just will. Now the reality is, as I thought about this, we're all going to lay some things aside anyway. See, because sometimes we look at that and we think, well, man, this, the thing I know is a weight. To lay that aside, that's a huge, that's a huge sacrifice on my part. Or a sin. I love this sin and the world's different. And there's all of these people that tell me the Bible's wrong, so I, I want to keep it. It's just too big of a sacrifice, so I don't want to lay it aside. But the reality is, we're going to lay something aside anyway. If I say I, I want to run the race with endurance that God has set before me, and I want to follow Jesus, I want to do His will no matter what, I have to lay aside the weights and the sin. I have to. I mean, I, I can't run the race without laying aside the weight and the sin. I, I must lay them aside. So I'll lay those aside to run the race. But if I determine that my weights and my sin are far more important than anything else, and I'm going to hold on to them, guess what I'm going to lay aside at that point? My ability... To run the race with endurance that God has set before me. I'm going to lay aside my ability to finish well. To hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So the question isn't, am I going to lay something aside? The answer is yes. We are all going to lay something aside. The question is, what am I going to lay aside? Am I going to lay aside the weight and the sin and run with endurance and hear well done? Or am I going to lay aside the race and hearing well done to hold on to the weight and the sin? But either way, we all lay something aside. It's just a question of what is most important in our lives. If my weights are more important than Jesus, I will hold on to them. If my sin is more important than Jesus, I will hold on to it. If Jesus is more important than my weights, I will lay them aside. Jesus is more important than my sin, I will lay it aside. But I'm going to lay something aside. Our determination to finish, it has to be greater than our temptation to quit. And our weights and our sins most assuredly tempt us to quit. Secondly, we have to quit quitting. You know, it makes sense to say we never finish if we don't stick with it. right? We don't see... We don't ever finish well if we don't finish at all. As the story I mentioned at the first, before we can finish first, we have to first finish. And so we all have to decide that we are going to finish no matter what. But to decide I'm going to finish no matter what, it means that I have to run even when it gets tough. Right? Because it is going to get tough. And I, again, I would love, I would love so much to tell you, if you just pray and you have enough faith and you pray really hard and you fast for two days, boom, the race is smooth and everything is easy. But that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what life shows us. 
And if every time I quit when it gets hard, I'll not finish. I mean, just think about maybe you or somebody you know that starts all kinds of stuff. Do you know someone that has started 43 different things? They've started Plexus and they've started 14 other kinds of diet programs, but then it got hard so they quit. Did they ever lose the weight they wanted to? No. Or someone that started some running program so they could run in a marathon, but running's hard and it's not that fun. And so they they quit. Did they ever finish it? No. I mean, we all know people that have started 400 things. But how many of those things have they finished? Probably none if it's the people we're thinking of. Why did they not finish? Because at some point, everything gets hard. And when it gets hard, we quit. And that prevents us from ever being able to finish anything. Well, the Christian life is similar. I know lots of people that have started for Jesus. I know lots of people that have prayed, weeping at the altars, that have been dunked in the water, that have have given great testimonies, that have nothing to do with Jesus or His church or His people or His Word anymore. Because at some point it got hard. At some point it got difficult. And they quit. It's going to get difficult. If it's not difficult now, it will be. And and I'm not saying that to be discouraging. I'm just saying that to be honest. What are you going to do when it gets difficult? If you want to finish the race, you have to quit quitting. That's why the author says we have to run with endurance. Endurance is perseverance. It is pushing through when it gets difficult, when it gets hard to say, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to run the race no matter what. Now, There is a lot of good things to know about this. Number one, it's important to understand that Jesus is on your side. right? Jesus is is cheering you on. He, He wants you to finish the race. He wants you to run with endurance. He wants you to quit quitting and to stick with it. But not only does Jesus just cheer you on and and try to tell you to go. Look at what the Bible says that he can do. It says, have you not known and have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, The creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Even young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Man, this is good stuff. God has all power. That's kind of the idea. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He neither is faint nor is weary. God never gets tired. There's absolutely nothing that ever happens that stresses out God's power. He, He never just barely finishes. He always just does stuff. I mean, the creator, you think about creation account, what did he do? He just said, let there be and let there be and let there be. And there was. There was no stress. There was no effort. It was just God said, that would be neat. I think that should be there. And it was there. And it's great to know our God has all power. But notice what else it says. He gives this power. It's one thing for God to have all power. And that's great and encouraging. It is better to know that God gives that power. See, God wants us to finish the race that He has set before us. And so, He will give us All of the strength we need to keep going. Now, none of this means it's not going to be hard. 
And it doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. But it does mean that we can keep going no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how tired we get. But there is, I guess, a condition. Who does God give all of this power to? He gives power to the weak. And He increases strength in those who have no might. And there's kind of where the rub comes in. Because God doesn't give strength to the strong. And God doesn't increase strength in those who think they can do it on their own. God gives strength to the weak. So before God will give me the strength I need to run the race that He has set before me, guess what I have to do? I have to admit to God, I'm weak. I have to admit to God, I'm not strong enough on my own. I have to admit to God, I have no might. I can't do this on my own. Sadly, for many people, pride prevents them from ever seeking help, even from God. They can't admit that they're weak. They can't admit that they have no strength. They can't admit they can't do it on their own. In a lot of ways, our, our culture adds to that. Our culture really pushes in on those who admit that they're weak, right? And yet for God to get His strength, the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but He opposes the proud. If I am too proud to go to God and say, I am weak and I have no strength and I can't go on. If I can't go to God and say that, then I cut myself off from His help. I cut myself off from His strength. And there will come a time in which I quit or the race cracks me down and it beats me down and it breaks me down. You and I, we absolutely, we can finish the race. We can all hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We can. We can quit quitting if, if we'll admit that we're weak. If we'll admit that we have no strength. If we admit we can't do it on our own and we are desperate for the strength that Almighty God gives us. If we are going to finish the race that God has set before us, we have to quit quitting. We have to determine to finish no matter what. And that means we, we have to admit our need for God's help. So first, we have to eliminate unnecessary baggage. Secondly, we have to quit quitting. And then thirdly, we need to focus on Jesus. In the army when we ran, one of the things that they taught us to do on the long runs was to find something in the distance that was stable and not moving and run to that because you kept your mind focused on that and you as you looked to that you didn't think about the pain you didn't think about what was going on you saw that you were making progress and when you got to that you looked to something else and so you just constantly kept trying to find something in the distance that was not moving that you could focus on that you could run to that particular thing and then when you got there it was like accomplishing a goal and you could keep going to the next one in the race that God has set before us, we have to do something similar. We have to, to find something immovable, something that isn't going to wander and isn't going to run away, that will always be there, that we can run to that. 
The author of Hebrews tells us that what that is, is Jesus looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, a couple of things. First, we look to Jesus, right? Our faith depends upon him. He is the one who first reached out to us to show us our need for salvation, our need for him. He is the one who works in us to bring to completion the good thing that was begun in us. Right. Our faith, our salvation, our hope, everything depends upon Jesus. So we look to him. We keep focused upon him and we realize that he who began a good work in us. He has promised to bring it to completion. He's not going to give up. He's not going to tell us to quit. He is not going to to yell at us. He is always there calling us to come and to keep going and to stay focused on him. But at the same time, we we do this. And I love this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despised the shame. Now, we don't think much about the shame of the cross, but to die on the cross was a shameful death. It was the worst way a person could die. It was humiliating. It was, I mean, we've read the Gospels where the people yet said and mocked him and they spit on him on the way and, and all of that stuff. And yet the Bible says that he, he not only endured the cross, but he despised, he, he didn't even regard all of that shame because of the joy that was set before him. What was the joy that was set before him? And it was our salvation. He knew that suffering this shame and dying on the cross would make salvation possible and would bring many people to, to Him. Clean their slate. Make them have a relationship with God. And that was the joy. Your salvation, my salvation, was the joy that was set before Him. Can you imagine going through all of that, looking to the benefit that would come to people thousands of years down the road and thinking, it's worth it. Man, if he would do that for me, I can endure this right now. But the author goes on and he says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, for you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And and, in a lot of ways, I think he's telling them to kind of suck it up a little bit. Right? Here's Jesus, who is the holy and blameless Son of God, who who took all of this hatred from sinners like you for your salvation. Think about that so you don't become discouraged and give up. For you have not yet suffered up to blood and death, and you are striving for Him. Kind of the idea of He went through a whole lot more than we're going through at the moment. And because he went through so much more than we did and he suffered so much more than we did for us, then we just, we keep running. We keep going because of what he went through on our behalf. It is really important that we learn to keep our focus on Jesus as we try to run the race. We think about who he is and what he's done. It it can make all of the difference in the world. I was thinking about that this week. And I thought of some examples. I, I thought about people who didn't keep their eyes on Jesus. And so think about like the Israelites coming out of Egypt. They, they come out on the Exodus 
And they come out with victory. They come out with boldness. I heard a sermon this week and the guy said they basically, the wording pictures they're coming out with their hands raised in victory. Right? And, and what happens is they walk out of the city. What do they see instantly? The manifest presence of God, right? There's a cloud in the day and a pillar of fire by night that leads them. That is just the presence of God leading them. So God leads them and they're like, Woo! And then they get to the Red Sea and they're like, Woo! And then they hear something behind them. And they take their eyes off of that and they look at the enemy. And there's Egypt coming after them with all of their armies. What do they do? Do they keep going, Woo, we can do it. God's going to see us through. No, they just go, Oh, we're not going to make it. God's going to kill us out here. They, they even talk about wanting to go back. And the story of Exodus, the story of the Exodus, I mean, that's what continually happens. God is always there in a pillar of fire or a pillar of cloud. And yet they're, they're following that. And when they follow that, it's great. But then they look, there's not enough food. We're all going to die. The generation that came out of Egypt... They didn't enter the promised land. They did not finish well. They didn't run the race that was set before them because they continually took their eyes off of God. But think about Joseph by contrast. Joseph has this picture that God has given him of what God is going to do in him and through him and for him. So he tells his family. His brothers resent him, so they, they toss him in a pit. And then they bring him out and they sell him into slavery. And he goes into Egypt in defeat. But through it all, he's got that picture of what God is going to do in him and through him and for him. And he's got his eyes on God. And so he goes and he's sold to be a, a steward in the house of one of the captains of Pharaoh's guard. And, and God blesses all that he does. And he's elevated and elevated. Then he's accused falsely of attempted rape. And he's tossed in prison, defeated even further. But through it all, his mind is always on what God has promised to do in him and through him and for him. His mind is on God. And so God blesses all that he does. And so he's brought out of that. He runs with endurance the race that was set before him. He, he finished well because he kept his eyes on God. Think about Peter in the New Testament. Right? One story in particular. The disciples are on a boat and there's a big storm. And Jesus goes walking to them on the water and they see him and they're afraid. It's a ghost. Jesus said, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter says, well, if it's you, God, if it's you, Lord, tell me to come out to you and I'll walk on the water too. So Jesus says, well, come on. So Peter hops out on the water and starts walking, which is pretty amazing. And while his eyes are on Jesus, he walks on the water. But then the storm and the waves, he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he looks at that. And what happens? He, he sinks. He didn't run that race that he had before him right there with endurance. He, he fell by the wayside. But consider Paul. Paul, who was very successful, very influential, very important until he came to Jesus. And then he lost all of that. But he ran the race that was set before him. And that race in, involved suffering and beatings and, and lashes and starving and shipwrecks and snake bites and imprisonment. And yet with all of that, he said, you know, the sufferings of this life 
They just can't be compared to the glory of the life to come. What made the difference between Peter in that instance and Paul in his life? What they focused on. Focusing on Jesus will make all of the difference in the world of whether or not we can run the race that is set before us. And I want to give you quickly three, three ways to help you focus on Jesus. Right? First, read the Gospels daily. And I always read all of the Bible, so I'm not saying just read the Gospels. I'm saying add the Gospels to your daily Bible reading. Whatever you do to read your Bible on a daily basis, add a part of a Gospel story, whether you read a chapter or you read a story or you read a part, but focus on reading a Gospel every day because the Gospels are all about the life, the ministry, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no better way to keep our thoughts focused on Jesus than to read about the things He said and did every day of our lives. Secondly, review what Jesus has done regularly. What has He done in your life? Are there prayers that He's answered? Changes that He's made? Ways that He has worked in you and through you and for you to accomplish His will in the world? But in this time... In this time, when you're reviewing what he has done, take James 1.17 very seriously. Right? James 1.17 says that every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. Right? Everything we have that's good in our lives is because Jesus has given it to us. Everything. So, this is especially if you're running the race and it's hard and you're tempted to quit. Look at any good thing you have in your life. That's Jesus. Write it down if you have to, but take a, a solid inventory of stuff you know that He has done in you and through you and for you. And then pray continually. Talk to Him all of the time. And when you pray, again, especially as you're going through the, the hard times, I think it's perfectly valid to pour out your complaints to the Lord. We find that the psalmist did that regularly. So there's nothing wrong when, when we pray, when we're going through the hard times and the race is painful and we're wanting to quit, to say, I don't understand. Why is this happening? Why aren't you helping? Why is this going on? To pour out our complaints. That's a good thing to do. But don't stop there. Right? Don't stop just with that. Do other stuff too. Take time and thank Him for all of the stuff that you've reviewed that He's done. Now, when you do this, don't give one big thank you for all the blessings you've poured out upon my life type of prayer. Be specific. Right? If you said you answered this prayer, thank you for this prayer. Thank you for using me to help that person. Thank you for blessing me with my family. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Be very specific in what you're thanking him for. But then also pray for others. Right? Don't always, even in the hard times, and this is a difficult thing to do, but one of the best ways to get our minds on Jesus is to get them off of ourselves. Yes, pour out our complaints. Yes, talk about the things that we need God to do. Yes, thank Him for what He has done for us, but then begin to pray for others. Do you know somebody else that's struggling? Pray for God to strengthen them. 
Do you know someone that's sick that needs to get well? Pray for God to heal them. Do you know a lost person that needs to be saved? Pray for God to save them. Do you know a backslider that needs to be brought back to Christ? Pray for them to return. Do you know a marriage that's about to fall apart? Pray for God to restore it. Is there a family that has a prodigal that has left the home and is out into sin? Pray for the prodigal to come back. Pray for your community. Pray for your church. Pray for your country. Pray for others. Be an intercessor. And as you begin to spend that time with Jesus, asking for others and all of that, your mind is focused upon Him. And it allows you to better run the race He has set before you. Our ability to keep our focus on Jesus as we run the race, that will make the difference. Whether or not we can make it, whether we don't, we must learn to focus on Jesus and our our determination to finish. It, it has to be greater than the temptation to quit and focusing on Jesus. It just quickens that resolve and helps us in that time. Right, let's stand.